What is this forest called? Tis Galtree Forest, and shall please your grace. Here stand, my lords, and send discoverers forth to know the numbers of our enemies. We have sent forth already. Tis well done. My friends and brethren, in these great affairs, I must acquaint you that I have received new dated letters from Northumberland. Their cold intent, tenure, and substance thus. Here doth he wish his person with such powers as might hold sortance with his quality, to which he could not levy. Whereupon he is retired to ripe his growing fortunes to Scotland, and concludes in hearty prayers that your attempts may overlive the hazard and fearful meeting of their opposite. Thus do the hopes we have in him touch ground and dash themselves to pieces. Now, what news? West of this forest, <clears throat> scarcely off a mile in goodly form, comes on the enemy, and by the ground they hide, I judge their number upon or near the rate of 30,000. The just proportion that we gave them out. Let us sway on and face them in the field. What well-appointed leader fronts us here? I think it is my lord of Westmoreland. Health and fair greeting from our general, the prince, Lord John and Duke of Lancaster. Say on, my lord of Westmoreland, in peace, what doth concern your coming? <clears throat> then, my lord, but unto your grace do I in chief address the substance of my speech. If that rebellion came like itself, in base and abject routs, led on by bloody youth guarded with rage, and countenanced by boys and beggary, I say, if damned commotion so appeared in his true native and most proper shape, you, Reverend Father and these noble lords had not been here to dress the ugly form of base and bloody insurrection with your fair honors. You, Lord Archbishop, who sees by a civil peace maintained, whose beard the silver hand of peace hath touched, whose learning and good letters peace hath tutored, whose white investments figure innocence, the dove and very blessed spirit of peace. Wherefore do you so ill translate yourself out of the speech of peace that bears such grace into the harsh and boisterous tongue of war, turning your books to graves, your ink to blood, your pens to lances, and your tongue divine to a loud trumpet and a point of war. Wherefore do I this? So the question stands. Briefly to this end, we are all diseased, and with our surfeiting and wanton hours have brought ourselves into a burning fever, and we must bleed for it of which disease our late King Richard being infected died. But my most noble Lord of Westmoreland, I take not on me here as a physician, nor do I as an enemy to peace troop in the throngs of military men, but rather show a while like fearful war to diet rank mind sick of happiness and purge the obstructions which began to stop our very veins of life. Hear me more plainly. I have an equal balance justly weighed what wrongs our arms may do, what wrongs we suffer, and find our griefs heavier than our offenses. We see which way the stream of time doth run and are enforced from our most quiet there by the rough torrent of occasion, and have the summary of all our griefs when time shall serve to show in articles. Which long ere this we offered to the king and might by no suit gain our audience. When we are wronged and would unfold our griefs, we are denied access unto his person, even by those men that most have done us wrong. The dangers of the days but newly gone, whose memories written on the earth with yet appearing blood and the examples of every minute's instance present now, 
hath put us in his ill beseeming arms, not to break peace or any branch of it, but to establish here a peace indeed, concurring both in name and quality. When ever yet was your appeal denied? Wherein have you been galled by the king? What peer hath been suborned to grate on you that you should seal this lawless bloody book of forged rebellion with a seal divine? My brother general, the commonwealth, to brother born a household cruelty, I make my quarrel in particular. There is no need of any such redress. Or if there were, it not belongs to you. Why not to him in part and to us all that feel the bruises of the days before and suffer the conditions of these times to lay a heavy and unequaled hand upon our honors. Good Lord Mowbray, construe the times to their necessities and you shall say indeed it is the time and not the king that doth you injuries. Yet for your part, it not appears to me, either from the king or in the present time, that you should have an inch of any ground to build a grief on. Were you not restored to all the Duke of Norfolk's signories, your noble and right well-remembered fathers? What thing in honor had my father lost that need to be revived and breathed in me? The king that loved him, as the state stood then, was forced, perforce compelled to banish him. And then the king of Bolingbroke and he being mounted and both roused in their seats, their neighing coursers daring of the spur, their armored staves in charge, their beavers down, their eyes of fire sparkling through the sights of steel and the loud trumpet blowing them together. Then, then, when there was nothing could have stayed my father from the breast of Bolingbroke, Oh, when the king did throw his water down, his own life hung upon the staff he threw. Then threw he down himself and all their lives that by indictment and by dint of sword have since miscarried under Bolingbroke. You speak, Lord Mowbray, now you know not what. The Earl of Hereford was reputed then in England the most valiant gentleman. Who knows on whom fortune would then have smiled? But if your father had been victor there, he ne'er had borne it out of Coventry, for all the country, in a general voice, cried hate upon him, and all their prayers and love were set on Hereford, whom they doted on, and blessed, and graced, indeed, more than the king. This is mere digression from my purpose. Here come I, from our princely general, to know your griefs, to tell you from his grace that he will give you audience, and wherein it shall appear that your demands are just, you shall enjoy them. Everything set off that might so much as think you enemies. But he hath forced us to compel this offer and it proceeds from policy, not love. Mowbray, you were weaned to take it so. This offer comes from mercy, not from fear. For lo, within a ken, our army lies, upon mine honor, all too confident to give admittance to a thought of fear. Our battle is more full of names than yours. Our men more perfect in the use of arms. Our armor all as strong, our cause the best. Then reason will our hearts should be as good. Say you not then our offer is compelled. Well, by my will we shall admit no parley. That argues but the shame of your offense. A rotten case abides no handling. 
hath the Prince John a full commission in very ample virtue of his father to hear and absolutely to determine of what conditions we shall stand upon. That is intended in the general's name. I muse you make so slight a question. And take my Lord of Westmoreland this schedule, for this contains our general grievances, each several article herein redressed, all members of our cause, both here and hence, that are insinued to this action, acquitted by true substantial form and present execution of our wills to us and our purposes confined, we come within our awful banks again and knit our powers to the arm of peace. This will I show the general. Please, ye lords, in sight of both our battles, we may meet and either end in peace, which God so frame, or to the place of difference call the swords, which must decide it. My lord, we will do so. There is a thing within my bosom tells me that no conditions of our peace can stand. Fear you not that. If we can make our peace upon such large terms and so absolute as our condition shall consist upon, our peace shall stand as firm as rocky mountains. Yea, but our valuation shall be such that every slight and false derived cause, yea, every idle, nice and wanton reason shall to the king taste of this action. That were our royal faiths martyrs in love, we shall be winnowed with so rough a wind that even our corn shall seem as light as chaff and good from bad find no partition. No, no, my lord, note this. The king is weary of dainty and such picking grievances, for he hath found to end one doubt by death revives no greater in the heirs of life. And therefore will he wipe his tables clean and keep no telltale to his memory that may repeat and history his loss to new remembrance. For full well he knows he cannot so precisely weed this land as he misdoubts present occasion. His foes are so enrooted with his friends that plucking to unfix an enemy, he doth unfasten so and shake a friend. So that this land, like an offensive wife that hath enraged him to offer strokes, as he is striking, holds his infant up and hangs resolved correction in the arm that was upreared to execution. Besides, the king hath wasted all his rods on late offenders, that he now doth lack the very instruments of chastisement, so that his power, like to a fangless lion, may offer but not hold. It is very true. And therefore be assured, my good Lord Marshal, if we do now make our atonement well, our peace will, like a broken limb united, grow stronger for the breaking. Be it so. Here is returned my lord of Westmoreland. Prince is here at hand. Please, if your lordship to meet his grace just distance between our armies. Your grace of York, in God's name then, set forward. Before and greet his grace. My lord, we come. You are well encountered here, my cousin Mowbray. Good day to you, gentle Lord Archbishop. And so to you, Lord Hastings, and to all. My Lord of York, it better showed with you when that your flock assembled by the bell encircled you to hear with reverence your exposition on the holy text than now to see you here 
an iron man talking, cheering a rout of rebels with your drum, turning the word to sword and life to death. That man that sits within a monarch's heart and ripens in the sunshine of his favor, would he abuse the countenance of the king? Alack, what mischiefs might he set a brooch in shadow of such greatness? With you, Lord Bishop, it is even so. Who hath not heard it spoken how deep you were within the books of God? To us, the speaker in his parliament, to us, the imagined voice of God himself, the very opener and intelligencer between the grace, the sanctities of heaven, and our dull workings. Oh, who shall believe, but you misuse the reverence of your place, imply the countenance and grace of heaven as a false favorite doth his prince's name, in deeds dishonorable. You have tamed up under the counterfeited seal of God the subjects of his substitute, my father, and both against the peace of heaven and him have here upswarmed them. Good, my lord of Lancaster, I am not here against your father's peace. But as I told my lord of Westmoreland, the time misorder doth in common sense crowd us and crush us to this monstrous form to hold our safety up. I sent your grace the parcels and particulars of our grief, the which hath Bethwin scorn shoved from the court, whereon this Hydra son of war is born, whose dangerous eyes may well be charmed asleep with grant of our most just and right desires, and true obedience of this madness cured, stoop tamely to the foot of majesty. If not, we ready our fortunes to the last man. And though we here fall down, we have supplies to second our attempt. If they miscarry, theirs shall second them, and so successive mistress shall be born, and heir from heir shall hold his quarrel up, whilst England shall have generation. You are too shallow, Hastings, much too shallow to sound the bottom of the aftertimes. Pleaseth your grace to answer them directly, how far forth you do like their articles? I like them all. And do allow them well, and swear here by the honor of my blood, my father's purposes have been mistook, and some about him have too lavishly wrested his meaning and authority. My lord, these griefs shall be with speed redressed. Upon my soul they shall. If it, this may please you, just charge your powers unto their several counties, as we will ours. And here, between the armies, let's drink together, friendly and embrace, that all their eyes may bear these tokens home of our restored love and amity. I take your princely word for these redresses. I give it you, and will maintain my word, and thereupon I drink unto your grace. Go, Captain, and deliver to the army this news of peace. Let them have pay and part. I know it will well please them. Hide thee, Captain. <laughs> to you, my noble lord of Westmoreland. I pledge your grace, and if you knew what pains I have bestowed to breed this present peace, you would drink freely. <laughs> but my love to ye shall show itself more openly hereafter. I do not doubt you. <laughs> I'm glad of it. Health to my lord and gentle cousin Mowbray. You wish me health in very happy season, 
For I am on the sudden something ill. Against ill chances men are ever merry, but heaviness foreruns the good event. Therefore be merry, cuz, since sudden sorrow serves to say thus, some good thing comes tomorrow. Believe me, I am passing light in spirit. So much the worse if your own rule be true. The word of peace is rendered. Hark, how they shout. This had been cheerful after victory. Peace is of the nature of a conquest, for then both parties notably are subdued, and neither party loser. Go, my lord, and let our army be discharged too. And, good my lord, so please you, let our trains march by us, that we may peruse the men that we should have coped with all. Go, good Lord Hastings, and ere they be dismissed, let them march by. I trust, lords, we shall lie tonight together. Now, cousin, wherefore stands our army still? The leaders, having charge from you to stand, will not go off until they hear you speak. They know their duties. My lord, our army is dispersed already. Like youthful steers unyoked, they take their courses, east, west, north, south, or like a school broke up, each hurries towards his home and sporting place. Good tidings, my lord Hastings, for the which I do arrest thee, traitor of high treason. And you, lord archbishop, and you, lord Mowbray, of capital treason, I attach you both. Is this proceeding just and honorable? Is your assembly so? Will you thus break your faith? I ponder thee none. I promised you redress of these same grievances whereof you did complain, which by mine honor I will perform with the most Christian care. But for you rebels, look to taste the due meat for rebellion and such acts as yours. Most shallowly did you these arms commence, fondly brought here, and foolishly sent hence. Strike up our drums, pursue the scattered stray. God, and not we, hath safely fought today. Some guard these traitors to the block of death, treason's true bed, and yielder up of breath.